second reading today echoes the joy and the energy just shared with us from the choir. It is a story about a wedding. Friends, let us continue listening to a word from God as we hear now these verses from the Gospel of John. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood sticks, stone, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for the ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and so they filled them up to the brim. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you, you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Oh, good and gracious God, as the sun breaks through the clouds, calming the rain, Calm to our spirits. Steady our souls and open up our hearts to hear the words that you are speaking to the church this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So this story is one that brings back a memory. A few years ago while I was in seminary, one of our classmates was getting married. Well, it was actually two of our classmates because we all went to school together. So me and two of my other friends decided we were going to throw the bride a bridal shower at mine and Thomas's home in Richmond. And by home, I mean like very small seminary student apartment. Anyway, we did all of the shopping and we threw this really beautiful lemon and lavender themed bridal shower for our sweet friend. Now, we served wine at this shower and about halfway through, the hostesses, me and my friends, we realized that we were out of the wine that we had bought for this shower. Now, something to note here is at the time, my husband, Thomas, was a wine salesman. So our home was not lacking. There were some very nice bottles and some that were not as nice. Now, me not knowing the difference, I just grabbed one off the shelf. And it's great. So a few hours later, after the, the shower's over, Thomas gets home, and he immediately notices that one is missing. And it was one of the nicer bottles. Not the nicest one, but it was nice enough that he noticed. 
Now, the steward's comments in this story about the nicer wine echoed my husband's, although they weren't said with quite the same joy or excitement as the steward shared. <laughs> this story of the wedding of Cana is one that is both mysterious and one that makes perfect sense. Jesus begins his ministry in John's gospel at a party. It's unique to this gospel, and it's labeled as the first sign that reveals his glory. He's at this wedding, a wedding of all places, a place that is filled with joy and with celebration as two people make those big promises, committing to love one another before God, before neighbor. Jesus was at a wedding. And then the host runs out of wine. Oh, can you imagine the predicament those servants found themselves in when they realized they were going to run out? Back in this time, that was very much a fireable offense. Talk about nervous sweats. But Mary notices. She notices that the servants are whispering among themselves that they are about to be out. And it's Mary who sees this need first. Because moms always know, don't they? So she shares this news with her son, Jesus, and although his response here reads pretty harsh in our modern translation, it's actually not. It reads sharp and, to be frank, kind of nasty, when in reality it was much more of a, can I do something about that? Like, should I do something about that? Mary tells the servants to do what Jesus tells them. He tells them to go and to fill up these jars with water, to bring them to the steward or the head waiter. And then the head waiter learns that it is the good wine in these jugs. Now, I love this story because it teaches us different than we assume about Jesus and these miracles. Now, think about it. When you think of those miracle stories, it's usually a miracle of someone with a significant need. It's a life-changing miracle that Jesus does, right? But this story is a story of Jesus making more wine so a party can continue. It almost seems frivolous, but only almost. It would be frivolous if it did not mean that God cares about those milestones in our lives. The milestones of things like weddings, graduations, births, deaths, and everything in between. God cares enough about these celebrations in this instance, not only to be present at the celebration, but to act to continue them with this miraculous gift of turning these six clay jugs of water into wine. It teaches us that Jesus acts in the daily exchanges of everyday life. It would seem frivolous if it did not remind us that God knows us and that God invites us to know God. I think it's really interesting in this story that it's not really driven by Jesus. It's his mom. It's Mary. Mary that is bold to name that they are out of wine and Mary to assume that her son can and will do something about the crisis before them. It's Mary that trusts in her son and God's generosity and abundance that nudges her with observations 
They have no more wine. It reminds us that we too are invited to know God, to trust in God's abundances and to nudge God with our own observations when we pray. It reminds us that God can be known by us mere humans and that God can be trusted because God is faithful. This miraculous act of turning water into wine would seem frivolous if it did not reflect the abundance that is to come. Now, it's no accident that this story uses wine. In the ancient world, like it is now, wine is a symbol of abundant celebration. The prophets Isaiah and Amos prophesied of days when mountains were dripping with wine and the day when a feast would be set before Israel with all the nice aged wines. The abundance of wine that appeared at the wedding in Cana is a vivid reminder that God will restore Israel and in Jesus, that time is coming near. It is a sign of the abundant life that is to come and the abundant life that is here and now for God's people. A life that is not just existence, because Jesus did not make just enough wine. But it is a life that is abundant. Abundant in love, abundant in joy, and abundant in the knowledge that God is indeed here. This story reminds us that God invites us to live a life of abundance. But what about when abundance is hard to find? This week, my kids were home from school for COVID-related reasons. Everyone is fine and nobody tested positive or anything, and we did finally reach our day of freedom yesterday. But abundance was not the word of the week. Scarcity was really more like it. There was a scarcity of childcare, a scarcity of energy to do anything after your childcare shift was over, scarcity of time to cross items off of a to-do list, both a work one and a home to-do list, because remember, there's also a scarcity of energy. It was a week of scarcity at the Arvin house. Sometimes it is hard for us to see God's abundance, especially in year three. But Saturday came. Our kids are still happy. Our marriage survived the childcare shuffle. My sister, who moved here to be close with us, to help with instances like this, she did not go running for the hills. And in fact, she said that she still likes my children after spending two full days with them this week. We survived. Sometimes I think this life of abundance that we catch glimpse of, glimpses of in this miracle story isn't so much the abundance of wine that was created, but it's knowing that these moments of scarcity will not last forever. I think a life of abundance means trusting that we can name our observations about ourselves and about the world that we live in, that we are tired, that our world is broken, that our hospitals are struggling, people don't have homes, that these indescribable acts of violence happen every single day we can name these observations, and we can trust that God will act in a way that we can't plan for, in a way that makes no sense to us, and in a way that we can't explain. A life of abundance means that we can share with God our scarcities, and we can have faith that God will act in miracles.
because God's grace and God's love is abundant. Now, there are times in our lives when that abundance is easy to see, like at weddings, at graduations, at baptisms, at confirmation, Sundays when we welcome new members, whatever these big milestones are before us. It's more difficult to see the abundance when we aren't going well, when things aren't going well, when we're in the weeds, caught up in everyday life. But friends, there is abundance in those moments too. Years ago, a priest asked Barbara Brown Taylor to come and speak at his church in Alabama. When Barbara Brown Taylor asked the priest what he wanted her to talk about, he replied, come and tell us what's saving your life right now. That's a really big prompt, right? Now, Barbara Brown Taylor didn't really remember what she immediately said at the time, and it's one of those prompts that she thought about for a couple of weeks, and um, what I'll read next is the, the final pretty product of what she said. But her answer to that question is abundance. She writes, what is saving my life right now is the conviction that there is no spiritual treasure to be found apart from the bodily experience of human life on earth. My life depends on engaging the most ordinary and physical activities with the most exquisite attention I can give them. My life depends on ignoring all touted distinctions between the secular and the sacred the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul. What is saving my life right now is becoming more fully human, trusting that there is no way to God apart from real life in the real world. I think what she so eloquently says here, that her life depends on the truth, that God is present in her life, and that there is no separating God from her life. There is no separating God from the human experience. It is abundance in God in knowing that God is always there, that God acts in our world, and that we can trust God to act. So on this day when we read about this miracle story of Jesus at a wedding, which is a very ordinary thing, when they ran out of wine, Jesus turned that water into wine. And the only people that knew about it were the servants and Jesus' mom, who had faith in her son. A moment of scarcity became a moment of celebration. When Jesus did something that we can't fully explain in a moment of ordinary life, teaching us that God is present, that we can trust in God, and God is abundant. This miracle story is one that is filled with mystery, and it is one that makes perfect sense. Friends, may we see the places of abundance in our lives easily. But when we see scarcity, and we will indeed see scarcity, may we know that these moments of scarcity are not forever. For we worship a God that turns water into wine, a God whose love is infinite, and a God who relishes in seeing God's people happy and celebrating. Friends, may it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.